Support for Paradox comes from the Timothy Center, your online counseling center, no matter where you live. The Timothy Center is a marriage and family counseling facility in Austin, Texas, offering distance consultations for those that live outside the Austin area. If you have questions and you'd like to consult with Jimmy, Josh, or one of their licensed professionals, visit them at timothycenter.com. Recording live from Austin, Texas, a conversation about marriage and family that women will love and guys won't want to turn off. Dr. Jimmy Myers and Dr. Josh Myers are a paradox. Hey, everybody. Guys, welcome to the show. This welcome is Welcome to Paradox, and I am Monster Rehab pumped this afternoon. So some people will judge you for drinking Monster. I know, but I don't care because I'm just excited and pumped. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm like I'm electric. Right before we said go, we don't say go. We do three, two. Hey, everybody. Yeah, that pause. I think that's super effective. Anywho, right, right before we, Jimbo is literally leaning back on the couch, yawning like he's about to fall asleep on me. Not now. Now he's so full of energy. And the real reason I'm saying this is because I think I would make a very, very, very effective spokesperson for monster drinks. You know, that would take a lot of work. It would. Some might say you'd have to become addicted to your work. What? What were you about to say? I don't know. (laughs) All right. Work addiction. Work addiction. You know, we could talk about... um, Narcotics addiction. We could talk about alcohol addiction, sex addiction, methamphetamine addiction. And I think people would go, oh, that's interesting. It doesn't doesn't really apply to me. Hit our target audience. Work addiction, however, that hits us right in the solar plexus. I think it's something that even though we're not going to admit that's what's going on in our life, because in America we are taught to work hard and commit yourself and uh, you got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And if you're going to make anything of yourself, you got to commit to what. So work addiction is one of those things. That instead of like alcohol or methamphetamines, you're praised for it. Yeah. It's socially good. In some ways, it falsely builds self-worth. It's like on job interviews when give me some weaknesses. Uh, I work well, too much. I work too much. I love people too well. <laughs> That sometimes I take on their problems. <laughs> yes, don't use any of those is what we're saying on a job interview. But no, it is praised, and it's 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 a badge of honor within our society. Absolutely, which makes yet, it tricky. Yet, it's just at, in some ways, in some of the more foundational ways, it's just as destructive. One hundred percent, yeah. As any of those other addictions. Would you like to know if you yourself are addicted to work? <laughs> you know, I'm, I've been accused of a lot of things. Uh, lazy. I've been accused of being lazy. I've been accused of, hey, don't you like get a paycheck for something? But no, no, never been never been accused of being Well, maybe, addict. though. Let me give you some symptoms mm-hmm. of work addiction. Fire away. Listening. Are you listening? Am I listening? Putting in long hours at the office. Nope, nope, that's not you. Nope. Losing sleep to engage in work projects. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. no, no, that's not me. I do not lose sleep. 
You lose sleep. Sleep is a priority for yeah, me. Yeah, trying to catch up on mm-hmm. Game of Thrones or yep. something. No, I don't watch Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. Don't. Nope. Mm-mm. Yeah, we would judge you for Bad. that. Bad. Being obsessed with work-related success. Hmm. Uh, having intense fear of failure at work. Being paranoid about work-related performance. See, that's the thing about being an adolescent counselor, you know, really kind of focusing on adolescence. They don't know if you're a good counselor or not. <laughs> I mean, it, you know, you'd be like the worst in the world, and they wouldn't know any different. I'm trying to go over these symptoms. Okay. Disconnecting from personal relationships because of work. Come on now. Preach it. Bring it home. Uh, having a defensive attitude towards others about their work. Using work as a way to avoid relationships, working to cope Mm. with feelings of guilt or depression Mm. through work, uh, working to avoid dealing with crisis like death, divorce, or financial trouble with work. That was an arrow. Ouch. So those are, and obviously there's probably 100 more, but those are 8 to 10 symptoms of work addiction. And by the way, you could take the word work out and put alcohol in, and those 10 would be the same thing. Sure. So... The first thing we have to realize is that work addiction is as legit as any other addiction. Yeah. We don't want to think it is. We want to deny that it is. Most of us can wrap our brains around alcohol and heroin. But food absolutely can become an addiction. Uh, Pornography can become an addiction. Through codependency, another person can become an addiction. And in this situation, without question... Work can be and is an addiction. So here is, I think you had a story before uh, I go into problem, the problem of work addiction. Oh, yeah, Brant Kreider. I think I talked about him before, but he, um, at the time, I don't know, I haven't kept up with him, but at the time, he was uh, the president of Yves Saint Laurent. Yves Saint Laurent. Is that how they say Le- it? <laughs> oh, excuse me, hairball. It sounds like a Mexican company. <laughs> it's a... Uh, it's a, uh, they make toilet water, foo-foo water, uh, colognes. It's a design house. And, and he's the past president of Prada and Gucci and all that good stuff. And so when he was talking to me about fatherhood, he said, I'm not sure you understand maybe what I do for a living, but the most of the meetings that I attend in a day, I go by helicopter in New York City to attend these. And I'm in Milan so many weeks out of the year and I'm in Rome so many and Paris so many weeks out of the year and I'm invited to virtually everything there is to be invited to in this town every upper end upper end thing I get an invite to and he says I don't go to one in 10 of those invites he said I don't because I got four boys that I got to get home to and I've been at work all day. He says, I don't understand. I know these guys exist, but I just don't get it. That they work 10 and 12 hour days and then they play golf, networking on the weekends. He said, who are they? He said, I, I, I've got to get home to see my boys. So here was a guy. You want to tell you, this is like an alcoholic who's a bartender. I mean, he had it laid out before him. He had a job that easily could work into 24-7. And he chooses not to. And you're kind of jumping ahead with kind of solving the problem, but I think if I could empathize with those dads that are the 12-hour work weeks and then playing golf all weekend, I think they feel so inadequate within the home. They're successful 
every hour outside of the home. And when they get in the home, they have no clue what they're doing. Wow, wow, wow. That was my number four. Well, you already took some of my points, too. Okay, so. all right. Go ahead. They have. They feel, and maybe we should compare notes before, Jimbo. I've asked you to do that. That would squelch the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Go ahead. They have no clue what they're doing in the home, so they. It's just like I have to be. At Why some wouldn't level, I? Yeah, be outside of the home. Yes. So then I can actually feel okay about myself. It's like a kid who's addicted to video games. Yes. Well, if he's shy and he's awkward socially and he doesn't have a lot of friends, he's not successful socially. He's picked on. He's bullied. But online, he's Omega-88, chieftain of the whatever clan, and he's this big shot, and he's really, really good at it. Why wouldn't you want to spend all day every day in that environment? And that's the exact same with these guys. Ladies as well can be. They're so good, and they're respected at work, and then they come home where they're just dad. And in fact, because of all the work that they do, they're not even really good at being dad. And so they, they're met with a lot of back talk from kids and criticism from wives. And, hey, I got to go back to the office for a late phone call or whatever. So here are some of the problems that I see regarding work addiction. It's so easily, and you've already mentioned this, so I won't stay here long, but it's so easily seen as a positive, And mm-hmm. it's excused away as actually a really healthy thing yes. to invest oneself in work. Yes. And it does attack the pleasure centers within our brain, the dopamine receptors. Absolutely. You know, when we're working hard and we're successful on a project, or we get a raise, that feels neurochemically good. Yep. And so it's, we can come back sort for that like, high. like a nap for me. <laughs> it's the sort opposite. of the, Yeah, what is that? People always say, hey, you're working hard, you're hardly working. I was, uh, hardly working. Right here, hardly working. <laughs> Um, and so it does attack the pleasure centers within the brain. And to get that same buzz, that same high, we need more and more, more of and it. More and more. When we get addicted to work, we can be physically home, but not present. And so it's it's something that it can absolutely, even when we're home, steal, because our mind's somewhere else, steal our presence away from mm-hmm. our family. And then it also can, at some level, probably at a lot of levels, replace God. If we receive so much value and worth outside of God within work, why do we need God? You know, yep. if, if we feel so significant and so successful at work, it can really replace that desire and need for the Lord in our lives. Work can be, career can be an addiction, and it can be identical to other addictions in that it isolates. All addictions isolate. It cuts us off from friends, family, children, spouses, and workaholism does the same thing. It fe- And this is true of all addictions. It feeds selfishness. It feeds self-centeredness in these mostly men, sometimes women. It also can cripple our empathy. We're so self-focused on what I'm doing and not being appreciated for all that I do. And hey, sweet cheeks, you're driving in a Beamer, ain't you? So shut up. Uh, I'm providing for this family. Is that how Beth talks to you? Oh, yeah. Sweet cheeks. Oh, (laughs) and I tell her, you're driving a Kia, sweet cheeks. So zip it. No, in that scenario, you would be sweet cheeks. That's what I'm getting at. (laughs) Okay, true. And it also communicates to our children, like, like any other, and I've heard a gazillion kids say this, my dad loved alcohol more than he loved me. 
Well, what is so much more true than that is my dad loved work more than he loved me. You know, we were, and I don't know how many sessions it'll be, our, our episodes before we get to Bennett Amalu about the head injury and everything uh, and the, the movie Concussion. And when he's saying that, that with the information we know now, he basically equates letting your child play a contact sport with child abuse. Uh, with knowing, he says, by knowing what we know now. And when I said you're going to get pushback from parents by taking this stand, he said, well, those parents have to ask themselves, do they love their, in this case, well, in his case, it was do they love football more than they love their child? And you have to ask the workaholic, do you love your work more than you love your children, more than you love your wife? And you no, 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 I'm working for them. I just want to pinch them when they say that. Because no, you're not. You're not working for them. You're not doing this for them. You're doing this for you. You're doing it for your self-worth, for your pride, for your ambition, for your career. Don't try to fool people into thinking that you're some altruistic Robin Hood that's just going to all this trouble for your family. Because that is a grievance. And again, all addicts. That's their grievance story that they hold on to. And that's the reason that I'm doing this. Maybe I'm over the line. Maybe I am. But there's a reason I am, and that's it. So really, praise me even more. I won't. I refuse to. Okay. Solution. Uh, You want me to go? Sure. You steal them all anyway. (laughs) All right. So find some sort of physical representation to remove. And with that removal, you also take off the problems of your day. And so when you step into your home, you've got to be present. I've had, I've heard of people, you know, taking five to 10 minutes in the car before they walk in and just simply praying, praying to be able to emotionally and mentally release their day for them to be present. And by that, being present with your family means when you're there, you're there. I think everybody can think back to middle school and high school and when a teacher was talking you, what were you doing? You were daydreaming. You know, you were thinking about something fun you were going to be doing on the weekend or thinking about football practice the next, sorry, Dr. Amalu, but thinking about football practice the, you know, couple of hours. From, that is the opposite of being present. Something was happening in front of you that you could not have been focused less on. You want to work towards the opposite of that in your home. So when you're playing with your kids, you're thinking about your children. It's as simple as that. I know it seems too simplistic, but when you're talking to your wife, you're actually engaged in the conversation instead of being somewhere else mentally. So finding that physical representation to take off, to to represent taking off the problems of your day, as well as focusing on being there, being present. I have a couple more, but Jimbo, you step in. I would say this to any man, mostly men, could be women as well. You can't solve a problem that you do not admit that you have. This is true just in general. This is certainly true of addicts of any kind. It's said of an alcoholic or a drug addict that they have to be face down in a pool of their own vomit in an alley before they will turn around and seek help. So you always tell these families, hey, then you want to get them face down in a pool of their own vomit as quickly as possible because they're not going to turn around until they hit rock bottom. For many men, rock bottom is mid-morning at your job being served with divorce papers. That's 
that's their rock bottom. Children not inviting you to be a part of their wedding. Children that are distanced from you. They have mentors. They have coaches or other friends' dads that are investing in their... Those are sort of, those are the wake-up calls for so many men. I'm just saying, why in the world does it take that before we turn around and smell the freaking coffee? For us to realize that our current job, our current career is not the center of the known universe. It's not the most important thing in the world. It simply isn't. Now, we think it is because everything else pales in comparison to our jobs. I've had countless men in my office that made decisions to take the time, find another job that has less demands, and go to it. And they get smaller houses. They get cheaper cars. But they make decisions that their family is more important than a lake house. That It's more important than uh, memberships at country clubs. My family's more important. So I would encourage men to wake up prior to it being too late. And to clarify one point, you're not advocating for women if they're married to a workaholic to go and sign divorce papers to help him reach rock bottom. Yes, I would contact Dewey, <laughs> Cheatham, and Howe, uh, which is the Timothy Center's uh, yes. legal but team. You said that as, as Correct. a part yeah, 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 yeah. of a point, Sorry, a that greater was probably point. not the best phraseology yeah. for that. Now then, because I'll tell you, for, for when we say we're doing this for the kids, which is like Jerry Lewis and the telethon, it's all for the kids. Your kids will take less money, less things, smaller vacations for a dad any day of the any day of the week. I haven't had one person in these decades of counseling have come in and say, "Wow, man, if I just could have had more electronics." You know, we, we got to go to Colorado, but did we go to the Swiss Alps? I don't think so. They don't miss those things. They miss their dads. They don't have relationships with their dads. They don't know who their dads are. They can't come up with how many wives their dads have had. That every day, all day. So don't say we're doing this for the kids because we're not. Uh, and as you were saying, you know, it's just we, we unplug. We unplug. When we get home, we unplug. And we've said this before, but if you have a job that requires you to be connected to your phone 24-7, you must get another job. You must get another job. And I'll tell you this, very few jobs demand that. Most of those demands are self-imposed. We think we've got to be connected 24-7. And lastly, here's my goal. My goal is, at the end of the day, you and your sisters will not say, you know, dad really sucked. But he did the best he could. He didn't know how to love us, but he did the best he could. That's probably one of the sadder things that can be said about any parent. He didn't know how to love us. He spent all the time at work. Um, but you know, he did the best he could. Because you know what, guys? Y'all have information. If they say that, you didn't do the best you could. The best you could is make your family a priority, and I'm going to be quiet now. One thing before— That's all I have to say about that. We end— That's my floor scum. So if your spouse is struggling with addiction to work, it's very easy to criticize them. But the more you do that, 
the more they're going to want to tuck tail and run for the hills. And so you've got to be able to figure out a way to communicate your truth without criticizing. And a lot of that's found in tone. A lot of that's found in when you bring the conversation up, how emotionally charged the conversation is. So I'm not advocating that you keep quiet. You need to voice your concerns of the work addiction, but you need to watch how you do it and how often you do it. If it's every day that he or she comes home, of course they're going to want to stay away. And so watch the the criticism. If they walk into a buzzsaw every day when they come home, of course they want to turn around and go back. Correct. So watch your criticism of your spouse if he or she is struggling with that. And also, there are work addiction groups out there. So if, if this kind of strikes a chord with you, go ahead and Google that. There's a lot of good information. There are online groups nowadays. If you live in a large city, there will be groups as well. And there's even specifically uh, Christian business groups that do things like that, too. So definitely good resources out there if you feel like this strikes a chord with you. We'll also have two or three other steps online at ParadoxPodcast.com. So go to the Episodes tab, click on Work Addiction. And we'll have two or three other steps for you to, to kind of work through if this also applies. If you want to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, the show, as well as us individually, you can find that information at paradoxpodcast.com as well. Yeah. Jim, and part of the things, the, the next steps, we give two, well, it's actually one of the steps, but we give two, you know, pieces of equipment that help. One is a magic marker. And the magic marker allows you to, to put a cross right between your eyes and then a hammer mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that you can then, and then you, when you look in the mirror, you have a very specific target to take the hammer and hit yourself between the eyes. I'm not sure what you're talking about. To wake up and realize you're addicted to your work. That was a long way around a not all that funny joke, but I went there. I think that's the stupidest thing you've said on this show so far. <laughs> Saying something. <laughs> Uh, Jimbo, anything else? Not a thing. All right, y'all take care. Paradox is produced by Billy Lee Myers Jr. For more about Billy, go to therapywithbilly.com. For more information about our Paradox evangelist, Julie Lyles Carr, go to julielylescar.com. And if you want more details about what was discussed on today's show, go to paradoxpodcast.com. Next time on Paradox... My dad told me the story of a of a woman who came forward at a revival of his when he was in his twenties, um, and she pray she asked that my dad would pray that God would clean the cobwebs out of her life. And um, my dad said that he prayed that, and it was an older lady, and he prayed that. And then the next night of the revival, she came forward and asked for that same prayer: "Can you p- pray that God God cleans the cobwebs out of my life?" And he said, "Oh, I prayed that last night, but I'll pray it again." And then he said, "The last night of the revival, this woman comes forward again and says." Can you pray one more time that God cleans the cobwebs out of my life? And my dad said he looked her square in the eyes and said, no, actually, we're done praying that. That's the wrong prayer. (laughs) We're we're not going to pray that. We're going to pray that he kills the spider.